This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Back into it. We'll update the news in seven minutes. On the other side, we've got our roundtable discussion awaiting into our three. Ernie Eves, former premier, John Turley Ewart, and Peggy Nash, who's a visiting prophet, Ryerson, and a former labor official and NDP MPP, or MP rather, for Parkdale High Park. Uh, back into it, David Sparrow, Anthony Fury, Joe Mahavik, former counselor, and now you're uh, lecturing at Toronto Scarborough Campus in Urban Studies, Joe. So I'll ask you about uh, something I read in the Star today, where it says that... Uh, Toronto is halfway to meeting its 2030 greenhouse gas emissions target, uh, largely in part because coal plants were canceled. But uh, on the other metrics, I mean, we're doing okay. But they say, uh, you know, large buildings are major emitters, and therefore maybe we have to address it on that basis if you wanted to pick one target. And I'm thinking, could they do that with a tax of, of sorts? Would that make sense? A carbon tax, a levy on uh, big buildings, valuable buildings? Does that make sense to you? Uh, no, I don't think taxes are the way to go <clears throat> on this. Maybe you're going to be surprised by that. But I do think uh, inviting uh, large business uh, owners of uh, large properties, and frankly, it goes all the way down to your own home, investing in retrofitting your home, insulating room by room, looking at your light bulbs, it's cost effective. You can actually be provide your contribution to saving the planet while at the same time saving money on the utilities that uh, that you are using. That has been the wisdom of uh, the Toronto Atmospheric Fund at the City of Toronto, where we seeded money. We would loan uh, businesses and uh, city uh, departments and uh, city agencies, boards and commissions uh, money to basically do the retrofits, and then they would pay that money back uh, from the savings that they, that they uh, eventually gained. That's that's smart business, and it's good environmental stewardship. Okay, well, you know, but you're talking about a market-driven type of approach to things. I mean, if I'm yeah. going to save money uh, by retrofitting my windows, then I'd go and do it. I don't need uh, necessarily subsidies or government intervention or regulation or anything like that. That's why I'm impressed that you say no tax is necessary on the big buildings. Uh, but do you see any merit to uh, going after big buildings in any way, David Sparrow? Well, I just uh, don't know a tremendous amount about this, like my friend Joe here, but I will say, obviously, big buildings have more people in them, and I think that uh, they need to take a uh, real responsibility for helping the city to achieve its goals, but also the planet to achieve its goals, so everybody should have a plan. All right. I just wanted to be, I don't know, uh, maybe mischievous by suggesting, and Joe didn't take the bait, taxing the bigger <laughs> buildings downtown. Uh, some people are taking the debate, uh, taking the bait, though, so uh, it's, it's a little concerning because, you know, the main issue is, say, the forestry sector is a major emitter. They're bringing them the, the, their emissions down drastically without the carbon tax, doing it all just through, uh, to Joe's point, building a better mousetrap, like like the building code stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm not crazy about the idea of government fronting people the cost for all this stuff. I think it's a bit much, but if, it's, if, if they are paying it back, then whatever, that's good to hear. And it is kind of true, like emissions... They do cost you, you know, if you're producing stuff, you're doing stuff, so it's going to cost and you always want to find a better way to do business, which is why I'm against all these carbon taxes and a lot of these rackets, because the businesses are already working through their R&D to come and find ways to do this far better than what uh, what uh, the great government innovators are doing. So, yeah, re- retrofit uh, your buildings. But the city city life is not the thing that's actually uh, causing all the great minds in Paris and Macron and so forth to stress out. So uh, we don't need anything like that here. Well, and, you know, you've got uh, the provincial government saying, recently as well, that uh, we're only 8% shy of meeting our Paris targets, aren't we? 
in the province as far as emissions are concerned. So we're all around the net, uh, really getting close to home on that. And the U.S. has exceeded it, even though they withdrew from the Paris deal. Right. Uh, with emissions control, went to natural gas. That's a biggie. Uh, shuttering coal. Anyway. And uh, a lot of states did a lot of good work. You know, but there's always going to be a need for petroleum products because it's not just fuel for your cars and your homes. Elsewhere, where would we get vinyl records? Absolutely. And I ask you, because Sunrise Records, a small startup out of Hamilton, just a matter of a decade or so ago, just bought HMV, and people are going, what? HMV? Everybody's getting it online now, and uh, certain services, Spotify. What? So uh, do you collect vinyl, by the way, Mr. Sparrow? I do, John. I have uh, <laughs> about 200 uh, vinyl albums now, and there's something magical, quite uh-huh. frankly, about the sound of a vinyl album. There's something magical about the cover and all the inserts and everything that's in there. I, I only buy old vinyl, something without a UPC or barcode on it. But I pulled my uh, turntable out after it had been put away for 10 years, about two years ago. And I'll tell you this, the cost of vinyl has gone up by almost 100% over, over that two-year period in it's terms the petroleum of... petroleum tax. What, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think you're right. <laughs> Either tax. that or just, the, just the, uh, the money it takes to make such a large cover for it. But, um, but it's, such a, it's, it's such an experience. And I've been buying blues albums from, from the late 50s wow. and just re- remarkable players and such fantastic It's a better uh, sound. Music. It's a warm sound, wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. it is, and yeah. the history of it. And, and so it's funny, uh, you know, people are asking, is, is this trend sustainable? I'll say probably not. Like trends, it'll come and go. But is vinyl sustainable? Absolutely. I got mint condition 1950s albums that have lasted. I'll tell you what's not sustainable. MP3s that, uh, you know, you put a magnet yeah. too close to the computer and they are gone. And no, not to mention the plastic that's necessary in your milk cartons uh, <laughs> to carry your albums from party to party. Two words. Yes, there is a, a niche market and a, it, it is a beautiful niche market and uh, some people are jumping in. Two words that say this is only a niche market. One is Blockbuster, and the other is Kodak. All right. We know the stories of those well, companies. Well, that was film. That's not music. No. But, but I will well, thank Joe still. for saying that I could fit into a niche market. Because, uh... <laughs> All right. We'll leave on that note. Uh, the third word was HMV, but the guy just bought it, so we'll have to wait and see if he floats or sinks. But uh, we'll let you all go on that note. I appreciate you coming in this afternoon, especially with the inclement weather. Anthony Fury, Joe Mahavik, David Sparrow. Talk again real soon. Have a good night. Stay safe. Thank coming you, up, John. the news on the other side. We've got Ernie Eves, John Turley-Ewart, and Peggy Nash joining us with our roundtable on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.